0: It's great to be here, and uh, we were away for a few weeks, and it was really, the conference was amazing, it was really so special, and really encountered God, so you need to go next year, and it's really good. And so this morning, I want to share with you, uh, basically love this city, start of the series, four weeks we're going to be sharing about loving this city, loving the people of East London, and... uh, you know, if you think a little bit about Africa, sort of, you say Africa. It, it sort of uh, creates different feelings and opinions in people. Some uh, are quite positive, excited. Yes, Africa. I, I'm, I'm coming to love Africa. Don't know how you feel, but I, I, I'm I'm, I'm loving Africa. Sonic and I moved to East London, uh, what six years ago almost. And are we loving the Eastern Cape? We are loving East London. It's really been so special, just loving the people. And, uh, you know, so Africa, you know, with all the complexity, with all the diversity, and also with a bit of danger, like uh, armed robbery at Vincent Park recently, you know, it's exciting, you know, it's, it just sort of, you know, like some people say, you know, some people get really negative about it and they start complaining and say we want to go to Australia. I think for what? So you can die of boredom in Australia. You know, South Africa is exciting with all the challenges. You know, you need you need to have a sense of humour if you want to enjoy this country and uh, with with all the diversity and everything and. Uh, You know, and and even with our president, guys like Julius Malema, you know, there's so much you can say about these guys, you know, and many of us can get negative about it, but I'm saying, yo, Julius, you're definitely spicing things up. (laughs) You see, it's it's so easy to be on this side of the line, the line of fear, you know, where we get fearful and we, we continuously complain about everything and in the process we sort of begin to despise people you know it's like the newspaper in general it doesn't have much good news except if somebody was killed that you hated or if someone that you didn't like is going to prison so then it's good news but so many of us find ourselves on this side of the of the line of the dividing line where You know, news in general is bad news. But then on the other side of the line, there is good news. As someone has said, you know, if you want to read what the devil is doing, read the newspaper. If you want to read what God is doing, read the Bible. So on the other side of the line, there is really good news. I I want to share some good news with you this morning. There is some seriously good news. On this side of the line, it's about loving people. It's about forgiving people, even if they are different, even if they are wrong. And I believe this is where life happens, on this side of the line. So, where, which side of the line are you at? When you think about East London, when you think about South Africa, which side of the line? Are we on the line of fear? Because on the, li- the side of fear, we can't love. But on, this, on the other side, when we start celebrating, and then we can really love. And, and, and so, we want to we share with you about this, about how to love. East London more, how to love our country more, how to love people better. And uh, there's a a tagline that sort of defines who we as a church are. It's called, the whole gospel to the whole world. The whole good news to the whole world, and for us, starting in East London, taking the whole gospel, the whole good news to East London. And so I want to share a bit about that. With you, so I want to read this verse in Mark chapter sixteen, verse fifteen to sixteen. It's sort of the great commission. It's where Jesus, just before he ascends, he, he 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 declares this to his followers. Mark sixteen fifteen, and he says, and he said to them, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world." And share the good news. Announce the good news to people. It says actually to every creature. Say every creature. Every creature. That's the heart of God. God is the God of everyone. Every one. That is his heart of love. And so, then it says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. But the good news is, those who believe can be saved. But I think sometimes what happens is, even as Christians, even as the church of God, what we start to do is we take our Jesus newspaper, our good news message, and we rip it. And we go around saying... I have good news for you. But it's only 20% of the good news. I believe we must, the whole gospel, and that's what I want to share with you this morning, the whole gospel. So imagine I'm coming to you, and I say, I have good news for you. You've just won a prize. Who wants to win a prize? Yes. The prize is a trip to the Seychelles. A flight... One-way flight to the Seychelles. You're thinking, and it's just the flight. Nothing more, just the flight. You're thinking, okay, that's nice. Flight, yes. So when? Uh, it's the, the plane ticket's booked for 2044. Okay, it's not that exciting. So you say, I have to wait 30 years. Yes, you have to wait 30 years. And in this 30 years of waiting, the, the, the small print is, you must be a good person. Otherwise, that sort of it, it, it cancels the flight. Is that exciting? Well, it's nice to go to the Seychelles one day. So, hey, it's good news. It's good news. But what if I come to you and I say to you, I have great news. You've won an all-inclusive package to the Seychelles. And your flight is leaving this afternoon. Five-star luxury, a whole month, cruises on the sea, scuba diving, romantic trips, the whole package. Is that good news? Yes. Then some of us thinking, but I'm single. Who's going to go with me? (laughs) And then I add, but I have even better news for you. At the airport, your dream spouse will be waiting for you. Oh, that is good news. And for some of our married people with small kids, they're thinking, I have my dream husband. I've got good news for you as well. Everyone with the little babies, a whole month, a team of baby specialists will be looking after your little one. And you can log on in line and watch on video how's it going. And you can wave at the little one as well. All the mommies with babies say, amen, I want to go, I want to (laughs) go. Okay, but that's good news. Now that's the whole good news, the whole good news. But I think sometimes as Christians, we, we, we share the, you've got to fly through the Seychelles and it's 30 years from now and just be a good person. It's not that exciting to one day go to heaven. Yes, come on, praise God, it's wonderful to go to heaven one day. But there's so much more that God wants to do. There's good news now. There's good news now that God wants to bring into our lives. So, and I'll share it now as well, but, you know, salvation, and and Leonie touched on it as well. But salvation is not, you know, Jesus didn't die on the cross so as to just get us into heaven one day. He didn't just die to get us into heaven. He died to get heaven into us now. And I'll share you why. But God wants to get the fullness of him inside of us now. It's like that whole package. Your dream husband comes and lives inside of you. Now he can. Jesus comes and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. So that is good news. That is good news. I want to take us to a few verses, the end of Matthew chapter 9, 35 and on to sort of just break this down in the sense, what does it mean? The whole gospel and what does it mean to love? And then I want to share a few testimonies with you of people that have been physically, supernaturally healed in the last while to add, to, uh, to increase your faith. But Look at this, Matthew nine thirty-five. It says Jesus traveled all the towns, through all the towns and villages of that area. This is Jesus teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He announced the good news. Say announce. He announced. He said, guys, I have great news for you. The kingdom of God is coming now. He didn't come to say 30 years from now. He's saying, now, the kingdom of God is coming now. And then he says, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. So Jesus is saying, guys, I have great news for the whole world. You see, God loves everyone, everyone, multitudes. I want to show you a video clip. It's from the ministry called Christ for All Nations, uh, it's Reinhard Bonnke, and, uh, and then the younger guy is he's, the guy's following up in his ministry, and it's sort of what they've been doing over the last 40 years. But I want you to see this and hear this because it's the heart's cry of the evangelist. The heart's cry of the evangelist. So let's open our hearts and uh, let's watch that. That is powerful. That's the heart of Jesus. And as that verse says, Jesus traveled, he came and he announced, guys, there's good news. Not just one day now, there's good news now. And so Jesus declared, the kingdom of God can impact you right now. Not just, it's not a future reality, it's a now reality. A now reality, heaven in us, heaven in us, heaven in us. Not a future reality, only a now reality. That is the heart of God. And we, we, must, we, must, we, we must open our hearts, open our lives to receive this. A now reality where God comes and he lives in us. Heaven comes and lives in us. Look at this verse, John chapter 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, He will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. So God comes and lives in you. So many of us have made salvation. Um, Just pray the sinner's prayer with me and then go on with your life type of thing. No. You know, when you meet God, he rocks your world. It's like you you can say, I remember as a a 19-year-old Young man, I I went home. I was studying in Stellenbosch, went home to Paul. I met some of my old friends and they asked me, you're different. (laughs) Something's different about you. You're not swearing anymore like you did. Something's different. What's changed? I could honestly tell them I met Jesus. And the impact of meeting Jesus is that things change on the inside. God came to live on the inside of me. Heaven invading heart. Has heaven invaded your heart? Or is it a a, a theological concept for you? Well, I believe, sort of at a distance. But then it goes beyond that. Why does God want heaven to live in us? He wants heaven to live in us so that heaven can overflow us to those around us. God wants to put heaven inside of us so that when we touch the lives around us, they can receive heaven as well. Look at this verse. Speaks about prosperity. No controversial topic. People feel, you know, God hasn't come to prosper us. Well, I, I, I'm, I beg to differ. The scripture says, 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray, this is the apostle John. He says, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Say prosper. Prosper in all things. And be in health. So it's God's heart that you and I be in health. Just as your soul prospers. So it's the will of God that our soul prospers on the inside. Then our physical bodies be healed. And then that we prosper in other areas of our lives. As our relationships, our finances, etc. Why? Because you must have something to give to others. What is the point of your body so riddled with disease that you can't even think straight? I'm going to tell you a few stories in a moment of people like that. You can't make an impact on people. So the heart of the Father is I want to bless you. I want to impact your heart. I want to impact your physical body. The whole good news, I want to come and live inside of you. I want to come and live inside of you. I want to transform your life. That is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. He's a loving Father, and He wants to bless us. So I want to share a few stories. I was at Convergence Conference the one afternoon. I was off duty. So I was in my slops and my casuals. I was just walking through. I was late for the meeting. I really felt God saying, go to the meeting, go to the meeting, go to the meeting. Uh, Pastor Sias was preaching, and I just walked through the crowd and sat next to a girl. And and there's like only three or four of us in in that row. And then Pastor Sia said, Anybody, if anybody's sick, raise your hand. And I think, yes, come on. I love this stuff. This is good. I love praying for people. And then I prayed for a girl, Fra- Francelle Vessels. She's a teenager. And uh, she was sitting next to me. I prayed for her. And she said, Afterwards, to to me this, from the start of this year, I began to experience a cramping pain in my neck and shoulders area. Many people have prayed for me. I've been for tests and to the doctor, but nothing helped. It was like a cramping pain that doesn't go away, and it led to many headaches. So she had this cramping pain at that moment as well. Then she says, when you prayed for me, I felt as if a hand rubbed over my back and neck. It was an awesome feeling, and it is now gone wasn't my hand there were no hands a hand touched her on her neck and her shoulders a hand from heaven touched her i followed up with her Now two weeks later she still healed praise the lord i'm thinking oh this is fun i'm off duty and it's still good And then she started to celebrate and tell the people next to her, I'm healed, I'm healed. And there was a guy behind us that saw this. I didn't know it. But then there was a a, a pastor, see, I said a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is something that like the Holy Spirit whispered into into his heart and said, there's someone here, you fell off a ladder, you have back pain. So there were other things as well. So many people in the front. And so I strolled to the front to go pray for people. And I sort of I felt this guy. I must pray for this guy. So I just started to pray for him. I was just overflowing into him. Just saying, God, just bless him. Soul, spirit, body, bless him, God. I could sense the presence of God, the atmosphere of heaven there. And then after a while, I asked him, so what are you feeling? And this is Vidius. His name is Vidius Ferreira. What are you feeling? And he says, well, you won't believe this, but I'm the guy that fell off the ladder about 14, 15 years ago. And I can't can't stand for more than a certain amount of time, and then I get back pain. And while you were praying for me, I didn't even know I was praying for what I was praying for. While you were praying for me, the Lord healed me. Hallelujah. That is good. So I followed up. He says one of the main issues was he couldn't wash the dishes. He couldn't wash the dishes, so I believe this is a a prayer that his wife prayed, God, may my husband please wash the dishes, and so he was healed. So what is a testimony? A testimony, I believe, is evidence for the existence and involvement of God. Some say, prove to me that God exists. Prove to me that God exists. I believe a physical healing is evidence that God exists, that He loves us, and He still heals. For instance, if you're in medical science, you would have someone, there will be physical pains in their bodies, and you would apply medicine, and then you'd ask them, How are you feeling? Is it working? Yes, it's working. Awesome, this one is working. It's science. And then they test the physical body as well and then see it's working. This is this, the medicine is working. It is science. Science is observable and testable. I believe physical healing is science. How does that freak your head out? <laughs> Why do I say that? Because these people, I'm sharing another few stories now, they experience something like she, Françoise, experienced a hand. On her neck and back, rubbing, and I was saying, "You're having hallucinations. You want drugs? Go." But what's the result? She was healed. It wasn't someone on drugs having a high. It was someone that had an encounter with God. Because as human beings, we stand on the edge of the natural realm and the spirit realm. The only way you can know what's happening in the spirit realm is is that person in between. You must ask them, "What are you sensing?" And you can say, we're just making up. But the result is that the physical body has changed. They are healed. So in medical science, if it was a drug, you'd say, this drug works. But for some of us, we are so unbelieving that we have double standards. We'd say we believe the science when it moves away from God. But the moment that it points to God, we say, I can't accept that. That is double standards. You see, science is about following the evidence. Where does the evidence lead? If the evidence leads to a loving, almighty God who changes people's lives, then so be it. So be it. God wants us to believe. God wants us to believe. I mean, God loves love people so much. I mean, he speaks to the pastor and says there's someone that fell off a ladder and he is back pain. And today I want to heal him. And he does. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Another story. Bronwyn Johnson. In June, I went to Durban. I went to introduce new pastors there. And I shared a few stories of people being healed. And then she came to me just after the meeting. And she said, please pray for me. My doctor said that I have tried geminal neuralgia, TGN. You can read in Wikipedia, TGN is a suicide. It's also called the suicide disease. It is one of the most painful diseases known to mankind. She says the pain got worse and worse. It was a dull pain constantly. And then sometimes I would have a 15 to 30 minute episode of shocking, paralyzing pain. These episodes increased in frequency when eventually I was having about four a day. During these times, I would lie on my bed, curled up in a ball, and wait for the pain to pass. It was too painful for me to cry. It felt as if someone was electrocuting my face or hitting me with a brick. Like being electrocuted four times a day or someone taking a brick and hitting it into your face. And so she was desperate. Then she says, then you prayed for me. Initially, I felt the inflammation set in, but then you continued, and it left I was healed. The day after you prayed for me, I took my last set of meds and I took them with victory. So it's been more than four months now and I've been pain-free and medication-free. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Then Annalise Jansen van Reensburg, in July we were in George and we had a weekend of, of ministry on the supernatural. And she shares that she had neck spasm attacks for the past 10 years. She was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and a few other things. Nothing worked, different treatments, antidepressants, loads of things trying... Many things didn't work. She was desperate. She was crying out to God often. She tried all sorts of treatments, saw many different specialists. She lists all the specialists that she saw, but nothing worked. Then she says, on that morning we prayed for, I had pain that morning when they prayed. The left side of my body, face, head, shoulders, and neck became fiery hot as if someone took a warm blanket and placed it over me, and I experienced the Holy Spirit After that, the pain was less, and by the next day, the pain was completely gone. And it's now more than 14 weeks later, and she's healed. Hallelujah. God is good. God is at work. You see, it's the whole gospel. It's the whole good news. The whole good news. And then some people say, this often happens when you start sharing these stories, they say, yo, you have a special power. I'm thinking, you're offending me. I don't have special power. The last time I checked, my wife can concur. Human, very human, normal, average, and so the rest of us. It's another point where someone said, "I want to accept this argument. You have special power. I don't have special power. Jesus heals." It is evidence that there is a a God who loves people. And then heaven comes and lives on the inside of us. And then heaven overflows into other people's lives. It's amazing to see Jesus heals through anyone when we call upon his name. Our God is glorious. Now look at this. I want to share with you the the next verse in Matthew 9 is verse 36. Now we get to to Jesus' heart. And I believe the key to see the kingdom of God come, to see this overflow of heaven, it's found in this verse. It says, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus standing, he sees the crowd And he discerns, like God the Holy Spirit reveals to him, and he, he can see they're confused. They're helpless. Another translation says that he was moved by compassion. Moved by compassion. You see, Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. He came to show us what God looks like. You see, when God looks at us, he has compassion for us. He looks at us and he sees that we are helpless. We cannot help ourselves out of our messes. And often we are confused. We don't know which way is up or down. And then it says there as well, and like sheep without a shepherd. Now, what did Jesus see? Jesus saw. Jesus looked at people and he saw. And it, what he saw moved him with compassion. Jesus looked at people and he saw their pain. He saw their sickness and it moved him. He saw the poor. Of the world, he saw the poor amongst them and he was moved. He looked at the so-called wretch, the rich, and, and he realized that they are actually wretchedly poor because they don't know him. Jesus was moved. What, what caused him to go to the cross? He saw. He was moved by compassion. You see, if you, if you are moved by compassion, you're going to do something. If you are indifferent, you're not going to act. But if you're moved, Jesus was moved by compassion. And so he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I'm going to do something. So where are we at? Do we have compassion? Are we afraid to look? I remember, like in this, in this last two weeks, um, the one evening, Vian, a boy, he was in bed and I was just standing over his bed and I'm looking at him. And I'm, something just hit my heart. And I just realized, if anything should happen to my son. There's no price high enough that I wouldn't be willing to pay. I would sell everything I have. My son would be in a car accident. it would be in hospital. and we, I, would, I, would, I would do anything for my boy. You see, but that reveals the heart of the father. God the father was looking at mankind. He was looking at our state, seeing that we are helpless and confused. Sheep without a shepherd. And he said, I'm willing to pay any price. For them, I'm even willing to give my own son to die on a cross so that I can win them back. That's the heart of God. That's the compassion of Jesus. Compassion. And that verse goes on and speaks about the helpless, speaks about the confused. Jesus wants to multiply himself through you and me. Can we stand around and, 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 and see people's plight and do nothing? No, we can't. We must respond. We're going to show you another video clip in a moment of, uh, of another healing that took place. But the whole thing about helpless. Helpless. Jesus did for people what they couldn't do for themselves. And Jesus calls you and me to do for people what they can't do for themselves. Jesus did for people what they couldn't do for themselves. And now he calls you and me to do for others what they cannot do for themselves. Whatever it might be, something physical, something spiritual, whatever it might be, God wants us to make that difference. You see, there's a bottle of water here. Jesus, if we, if we are the bottle of water, Jesus didn't come to condescend in a negative. In he didn't come and speak condescendingly to us, mankind. He came to the prostitute. He came to the adulterer. He came to the thieving businessman, the whosoever, the, the tax collector. And he came to lift us up. To where he is at. That's where we are. Down there. Jesus came down. He came to lift us up. He spoke. Jesus spoke with the utmost of dignity. He gave dignity to people. He loved people. Even if they didn't agree. And I believe that's what God is calling us to. To love people in a way. That is undeniable to them. That there is a God of love. There is a God of love. So I want to show you this video. It's sort of, I do the introduction on the video. And it's uh, Abraham and Ilana's story. And there's a powerful truth in it as well. Let's play. On 20th of August, 2014, a special miracle occurred. Abraham and Ilana were experiencing a crisis. They couldn't do the normal things other couples did, like have supper together at the dinner table or go to a restaurant together for coffee. Because of the substantial pain that Abram was experiencing in his back, it affected every part of their lives. Abram had to work from bed with a specially made computer work table, for it was in this position lying on his back that he experienced the least pain. We want to share the story with you, for we believe this healing miracle is a sign from God. What do you want me to say?
1: I'll try. (laughs)
2: Yeah Hi, my name is Abraham Katsia And this is my story It started in 2008 For no reason, my back just started getting more and more sore
1: uh, He had pain like most of the day All of the day, really And especially the night times um, He usually didn't sleep because of all the pain
2: I got so sore that I was eventually sleeping on the floor um, Just because I was struggling to sleep at night I um, eventually started going for physio um, eventually a biokineticist program a couple of months long just for core strengthening the biokineticist program the physio didn't work at all uh, but I mean what else can one really do that's, that's the only thing that people recommend so that's what you have to do
1: yeah it's just it's really it's not nice having someone that you love in pain permanently like you want to do something for them but you can't do something for them
2: 2013 Um, It got so bad that eventually I um, decided to go see neurosurgeons because something had to be done. Um, The the physio, the biokineticist, dry needling, pilates, exercise, nothing was working.
1: I broke my back when I was 17. And so, yeah, I kind of had an idea of what he was going through pain-wise. And my back got healed two years after that. So I was a bit frustrated. (laughs) Like, why is this not happening for him?
2: So after all of that, I was very desperate and I, I had obviously, because of Alana's back that had been healed, and we had seen healings happening before, and um, we, had, we had hoped that the Lord would heal me, and we'd been asking for a lot of prayer um, in, in life groups, in, uh, from the pastors in church, or, right, right through all the, you know, the whole six years. Um, Andre and Jimmy came over and anointed me with oil again and prayed for me, but nothing happened. And then Andre suggested a book that that a friend of Alana's had also suggested I read, Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth. And while I was reading the book, I came to realize through the book that God actually always wants to heal. I had not realized that before. I thought that God sometimes wants to heal, and that's really nice if He does. And when I realized that, I just said, thank you, God, that's amazing. Uh, And when I said that, the pain left me. It's not like some fancy prophet, someone... Came and prayed for me from some other country, or anything. I was just lying flat on my back and I came to realise what God what God's word said about healing. So I just said thank you very much. And when I said that, Van left. So Yeah, I, I I sort of almost couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's believable.
1: I I got back and I actually asked him, Are you healed? And he was like, Yes. And I just looked at him, I was like, Why are you calm? Like, are you healed? Yes. And so he just, he explained the story to me and I just wanted to go wake everyone up because it was late. And I was like, I was just so excited. I couldn't believe it. But it took about a week to actually sink in because it was, it just felt like how, how, wow. Now, after all these years and it was just, it was amazing.
2: I sat through the life group for the whole hour and a half um, just sitting down. For the first time that I've been able to sit for more than half an hour without without a lot of pain, so I first wanted to sort of almost check it. I uh, come to know it for myself, and and once I, at the end of cell, then, and then I told them about it, and everyone was really excited, obviously.
0: Why is Abraham's healing a sign? We've seen more than 280 people physically healed over the last two years, yet this healing is a sign. A sign is is given to us by God to point us in the right direction, to highlight to us the importance of a specific truth. And I believe this healing highlights to us a very specific truth. This healing is unique for he wasn't in a church service when he got healed, and there was no one praying for him at the time that the miracle occurred. He was alone at home. When we prayed for Abraham a, a month or two before he actually was healed. I could see it in his eyes, I could see it in his body language, he had no faith or very little faith for this healing. He had no expectation that God was going to touch him. And this is often the case when we have pain in our bodies, our pain often screams so much louder than our faith in God does. Yet the moment faith exploded in his heart, when he realized, it is God's will to heal me. When he prayed and thanked the Lord for this thing, suddenly Jesus the healer stepped into the room, touched him, and he was made whole. Faith was the connection with God's power. Now imagine what would be possible if each of us began to believe like that. This miracle is an invitation for each of us to meet with Christ the healer through simple childlike faith, knowing it is His will to heal Right now. That is good. I really as I said there, I really feel this is a sign. We we so assume that forgiveness is easy, healing is not. It's the same. For the Lord, so I want to take you to this one last verse. I want to pray for people this morning, but there's an account earlier in that chapter, Matthew chapter nine, where Jesus was in a in a in a in a meeting in a house, and there was a, a paralyzed man being laid down through the roof and set in the midst, and there were all these religious Pharisees, all these critical, even a critical bunch. And then he looks at this paralyzed man and he says to the man, your sins are forgiven you. And they're all like, what? This so offends us. Who does this man think he is? And then Jesus looks at them and he says this. For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? Which is easier? Now, from human perspective, uh, your sins are forgiven you. From God's perspective, it's the same. And he says, "But, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God. You see, Jesus didn't just come to share a good story, like your sins are forgiven you, but it's not real. Jesus came to share the truth, but also manifest the truth. A miracle is truth being manifested in the natural realm. As with Abraham's healing. He received a truth that it's always the will of God to heal. And it manifested in his back. And so I believe two things. Healing shows that God forgives sins. When Jesus did that miracle, it was a sign to everyone there, I have the power to forgive sin. It is one the greatest miracle. That God would take us with our filthy insides, with all our sin, with all our issues, and he would cleanse us, wash us, and make us new. Why did Jesus do it? He said, That you may know. Let's say that. That you may know. That is the purpose of the miracle. The purpose of the miracle is that you may know that there is a God of love. That you may know that he is active and powerful. That you may know that he forgives sin. A miracle is truth manifested in the natural realm. And I believe God this morning wants to touch many of us, wherever we might be at. You know, Jesus wants us to be able, every believer in this house, he wants us to be able to say to East London, East London, we love you so much. People of East London, we love you so much that we're going to live in a way that is evidence to you that our God lives. That is evidence to you that that our God is love. That is evidence to you that He's powerful and mighty. What if we start living like then? We start loving our spouses in a way that brings glory to God, or loving our children, or we start living with integrity in business. That is evidence to people: the sky is different. Or we start loving the city so much that each one of us starts saying, "God, I want heaven." To invade my life. And I want heaven to overflow to those around me. Whatever the need might be. If it's forgiveness through me, you can bring forgiveness. If it's physical healing, then through me you can bring physical healing. If it's to give someone food, then God, then I want to do that. I want to meet every need with what you've placed in my hands. And so this is my... Overriding passion, I would guess. While I'm seeking God, I'm saying, God, give me so that I can give. Bless me so that I can bless. Fill me with your love, God, so that I can love as you love. Jesus' heart is burning with compassion. He loves the city. He loves every person in the city. Every child, every adult, every elderly, every cripple, every beggar, every prostitute, every drug addict. Jesus' heart is burning with passionate love. And I believe he's holding an invitation before us. Let my heaven, let my fullness invade your life. Come to a place of fullness of faith so that heaven can overflow. It's the most glorious mission in the whole world to tell someone about this amazing God. Love the city. Love the city. So this coming Saturday, we're going to Southernwood. We're going to worship in Southernwood. We're going to praise the Lord there. And we're going to share with people. So I want to invite all of you. Come and join us. You won't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Just come and experience it. Just come and experience it. And then the last verse, Matthew 9, 37 the, verse, the following verse there just says, And he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. So this Saturday we're going to ask God to send workers into Southernwood, into the city. My Jesus still forgives sins. Where are you at? I don't care how many times you've been in church. I don't care how often you've sang the songs. Have you allowed heaven to invade your heart? And you will know that heaven has invaded your heart because he becomes your ultimate passion. All you want is more of Jesus. Has heaven invaded your earth? I want to speak to every young person in this place. Every high school young person. Every student. You need to make a decision for Jesus. You need to make a decision for Jesus. Making no decision is a decision. Making no decision is a decision. And God is looking at everyone, young and old. He's saying, I'm seeing sheep without a shepherd, confused and helpless, unsure what way, which way is the truth. I believe this morning I have given you verifiable evidence that our God of love is real. And He heals people. And if He heals people, He forgives people. And He makes us new. So this is my challenge to each and every one of us. Have you made a decision for Jesus Christ? Have you said, God, I believe, but more than just believe, I choose now to follow you with all of my heart. And then the next group of us, you have made the decision, you're following Jesus, but you haven't received his fullness on the inside of you. Heaven has not invaded your heart, and so you have so little to give to other people. That I want to challenge you to start praying a prayer. God, possess me. Possess me. With your heart, with your compassion, with your amazing goodness. Consume me, God, that my every word, my every prayer, my every action would be begin to bring glory to your name. Jesus loves the city, Jesus loves everyone. And He's saying, The harvest is ready, the multitude's ready. If someone would just go, I believe that's us, that's you and me. Over the next few weeks, we're going to break this down further. Please stand with me. So we want to pray for the sick this morning. Our God is glorious. Our God is glorious. He is the king of the universe. And he is waiting for us to bow our knees before him and to say, God, I give Honor to you today. If I've given you evidence this morning, what more must I do? What more must I do to give you evidence for the existence of God and the amazing love of God? Five people physically healed. 280 over the last year and a half, almost two years. He loves you. 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 you. And he says, come and follow me. I am the king of the universe. I am creator God of everything. Come and follow me. Because there are people helpless, confused, desperate. For you to bring heaven to them. For you to introduce Christ to them. And I know there are people here. You've come to church. Maybe over the years. But I want to challenge you. Your faith is a farce. It's a lie. Because your lifestyle denies what you sing on Sunday. And there's not many of us. But there's a few, and I want to challenge you. I love you enough to tell you the whole message. You could find yourself one day, when you die, when you die, you could stand before God, His throne. You will stand before Him. And if your faith has been a farce, you are lost forever. I love you enough to tell you that. Is there evidence for your faith? is the evidence for your faith. Or is it a joke? Are you being religious? Religion doesn't get you into heaven. A genuine commitment to Jesus Christ. And I love you guys so much that I'm challenging you this morning with the truth. Now is your opportunity to respond. Now is your opportunity to say, "God, I'm a sinner." I I realize my faith is a farce. I need Jesus the Savior to step into my life. I need heaven to invade my heart. I need my whole being consumed with the love of heaven. Yes, that I can go heaven to one day. Yes, but now that heaven may get into me.